This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 84 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we talk to Sika Rodriguez, the key account manager for PLT Innovative Ingredients. Our breed of the show is the hedgehog. In Critter Nutrition, we look at Ayurveda for dogs. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, do you love cats or loathe them? Listen in. <laughs> Well, here we are in pollen season. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what I learned? I learned this last year, and I'd forgotten it. But Richmond is like the worst area in all of the country for pollen, like, over a period of time during, during like, the spring. And I can see that because I have never started coughing. Like, I, I you know, I feel fine. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I don't feel that affected by like allergies, but my son, Ray, bless his heart. He's having a lot of trouble. How about you guys? I definitely feel pollen in my nose, in my throat. And it's not, I mean, it doesn't debilitate me at all, but boy, when the wind is blowing. Oh yeah. (laughs) I was driving back from Charlottesville and went through, and I was going to try to video it, which I would have pulled over. and Oh, did you, did you see like a pollen cloud? Oh, it was green. And I was like, oh, this is bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen this. Wow. It was and I mean, yeah, it was. In, and then my truck was covered with the oh, green. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah. It's that nice coating, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. especially after you just washed your car. And it's sticky. Yeah. It's not like just dust. It's sticky. no, at least the pollen here is it's sticky. It's a very vibrant green. It is. It's pretty. It's lovely. <laughs> How about you, Jennifer? You, you having trouble down there? We had a very dry spring. Typically here in central Florida, we don't get much rain in the winter. It'll be, it'll go weeks and not rain. But generally speaking, by the time February, March rolls around, we start getting some showers once in a while. And it was exceptionally dry right through to when all of the oak trees and the pine trees bloomed. And oak trees and pine trees are more common than air here. (laughs) Oh, that's a problem. (laughs) <laughs> and we had some serious, serious pollen. We would go out on our front deck and the pollen was so thick that we had to use a broom to sweep it off. Whoa. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I've been experiencing. So Cray-cray. I get it. Yeah. yeah. And typically it doesn't bother me, but I, I actually sneezed a little bit this spring and because it was really bad. Yeah. I think that, you know, in Tigger, you've been feeling this too, but I have just been all of a sudden like kind of been... I don't want to say choking, but like, I've, I'm like, oh my gosh, I absolutely have to cough. Like, I just have to cough. And I don't feel the other things like, you know, runny eyes, unfortunately, or feeling like slow and, you know, lethargic, because I know a lot of people do, but um, it's been really getting me in my throat. Interesting. So the yeah, weather really makes a difference. My nose. Yeah. Not runny yeah. nose, just kind of. Nailed. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just getting up in your business. Yeah. Our, 
are either of you two classically hay feverish, the type of people that no, every no. spring and the, no. the grass and stuff? No. 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 That's good. Years people ago, I, I feel bad for them. Well, oh, years ago, I went through horrible. like the allergy thing, and I have that's to tell you that really did. Yeah, it really did help me. And I also oh. think you outgrow a lot of stuff. Or as you age, which is what I'm finding, is that I am more sensitive. I mean, I never used to be bothered by pollen. Hmm. But as I've aged, I've become more sensitive to it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to have that happen. (laughs) Something to look forward to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And on that positive note. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have a really great show coming up. We do. Great guests. Great, great guest. guest and lots of great information. So let's get going. And we're here today with Sico Rodriguez, who is the key account manager for PLT Innovative Ingredients. And the reason I wanted him to be on the show is that I I recently um, got to know Sico over the course of the winter in Wellington, and I found him to be an abundant source of information on on the innovations that are going on in the nutrition industry. And he's helped me immensely, directing me to some raw material suppliers for Biostar, which will result in some very exciting products coming out in 2019. But he's got a great personality. He knows so much about whole food supplements, being the former formulator for Garden of Life Supplements for Humans. So I thought this would be a good chance for our listeners to learn a little bit more about the human side of whole food nutrition. So welcome, Seco, or as I say, Seco de Mayo. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tigger. Really excited to be on the show. And I don't even know what to expect, and I think that that's part of the fun, right? <laughs> that's very wise, <laughs> as Jennifer rolls her eyes. <laughs> so the first question I have for you is for riders and owners what what are some of the hot, innovative, trend-setting ingredients and or products for sports nutrition for humans? Well, so I think a lot is being done in sports nutrition around pre-workout. And that's really unique. And the the areas that I'm seeing are especially around recovery, but starting at the pre-workout. So if you look at the life of an individual before they, they train themselves, not, not necessarily their animal, but when they train themselves, you have the needs of the body for energy to be able to work out. And then you have immediate post-workout activities that start to, start to happen and start to break your body down so that it can then start building back up. Just to give you a tangible example that we all know about, you know, when we dig in the yard with a shovel or, or, or using our hands a lot, our body starts to build calluses. But usually before calluses, you have blisters, right? And it, it's terrible. Your body's not building like you think it should. And then eventually your hands get stronger and you build calluses. Well, that happens on the inside of our body as well. So we start a catabolic cycle when we exercise. Well, what if you could stop that catabolic cycle from happening where you're not breaking the body down first before you build it back up. So there's a lot of new innovations that are happening there in the pre-workout and immediate post-workout area. Things that are really, really simple include 
having the right amount of glycogen in your muscles. So your, your muscles run by energy and you want to make sure that you have the right amount of energy in the muscles so that they can work very efficient, efficiently. And then in your post-workout, it's the one time that I would say, I, I, this will surprise you, but I, I don't recommend sugar hardly ever, but insulin has a, has a dual purpose in the body. It can either put fat on you or following a really intense workout, it can actually synthesize muscle. So there's protein synthesis that yeah. happens within a certain window. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that a little bit more for sure. Yeah, because I'm um, hearing candy bars after you eat. You know, <laughs> after you work out. Yeah, or, or a bottle of wine. So, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's not a terrible idea. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> You're welcome. So here, yeah, that's a great idea. I love it. So here's, how, here's kind of how it works. Your, your muscles start to burn through about 300 grams of sugars in your muscles. They burn off. And so your muscles are, are starving for energy. And if they don't get energy, then they start breaking themselves down because protein is less expensive. If you, go to the, if, if you wanted to buy something, that if everything's equal, right, calories being equal, and, and you could purchase your calories, you would want to spend less for them, right? And so it's cheaper to get sugar or protein as a calorie source, uh, as, as an energy source, than it is to get fat. Fat's very expensive. So if you run out of carbohydrates, your body starts to use muscle as energy. So after an intense workout, your muscles are what are called insulin sensitive. They're ready to take insulin up and, and hopefully some of the energy source that's very efficient. So as soon as you finish your workout within a 45-minute window, you actually can help diabetics, essentially uh, type 2 diabetics, uh, shift from being type 2 to, to becoming type 1 after a number of months of this. But immediately after your workout, you actually give a ratio of 4 to 1 carbohydrate to protein, and you start to build muscle immediately after your workout. And if I were to talk to you, to you ladies, you know, compounding interest comes to mind. Imagine putting money in the bank and never losing a penny, but it only increases, right? That's what's happening in your body. Now you're not breaking down your muscles first. You're immediately building new muscle uh, instead of waiting a day and then, and then 48 hours later, you can work out again. So that's a really fun area that's been a lot of really unique science around the pre and post workout categories you know with horses post workout we do alfalfa and banana and whole bananas wow yeah okay so it's a very similar principle yes exactly and and i i would guess that alfalfa has a, i don't remember the protein quantity of an alfalfa but Tigger, you it, might have that offhand yeah it's 15 percent protein Yep. Um, and it's a perfect protein for a horse because it includes all the essential amino acids. And so when you add banana to that, you're stimulating the horse's protein synthesis in the body. So insulin, it's fascinating. You know, you, you're, you avoid sugar all day long because you're like, I don't want to put fat on because that's what it does. But there's this magical window. It's the, between 10 to 45 minutes after a workout that if you eat during that time, the right ratios of carbohydrates, protein, but you also need antioxidants, which is why when I heard the wine comment, that was fantastic because <laughs> those antioxidants can totally play a role. I'm just trying to help. Hey, that was, 
You're so trying to help it, everybody. That's I help really people. am. <laughs> so actually, so I was trying Chico, to help myself. For a rider, yeah. they're going to have their pre-day either meal or smoothie or breakfast something. What would be your suggestion? So how long? How long is their workout usually? It's it's a full day, right? You're talking about. But, yeah, they're riding long. multiple horses. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um. I would I would suggest quite a bit of protein. So I, I would say they're riding multiple horses probably for what three four hours. You're talking or about eight 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 to nine hours. That's a long haul. That's so you're probably going to need to add some add some additional fuel. So I, I would eat a good breakfast that would, would that include, be? you know, I would I would say probably twenty twenty five grams of protein would be important to get. Uh, I would I would have both complex and simple carbohydrates, but with an eight hour workout, you know, that's, that's a, that's longer than a marathon. Marathons are like three to four hours for a good runner. That's a, that's a long, that's a long well, day. You're so you're not, gonna need to, but keep in mind, I mean, you're on top of a horse. I mean, it, yes, sure. it is, it is, it def- definitely is difficult, but it, but it's not the same sort of, it's, you know, aerobic workout. Well, some of them are, it's more sure. anaerobic when you say Tigger. It's definitely aerobic. Well, but also anaerobic. Yes, it's both. Yeah, depending so on you're the horse. Sh- you're, you're changing. You're changing. The rider is constantly changing and shifting mm-hmm. to their intensity b- yes. based yes. on what the horse is doing. So yeah, yeah, it sounds like a lot of starts and stops, right? Uh, yeah, and breaks. I, you I know. would and breaks. So I would say that if there are more intense times, so let's break this up a little bit into kind of the sequence. If there is like an intense 45 minute window where they're, they're finding more intense activity happening. Mm-hmm. Then I would look at a, I would look at taking some coconut water for hydration mixed with a, a good protein source. If you can find a, a good whey protein. Oh, now I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to say hemp protein. A hemp protein is, is great. You can, you can also do a um, chick, chickpea protein. Yep. And, and so when you, when you provide that ratio, then the rider is ready for that 45 minute window to, to perform really well. So you're get you're getting the carbohydrates, really simple carbohydrates. You're also getting electrolytes, which, you know, help during those intense times so you can keep performing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So Tigger, explain to the listeners why you would say hemp instead of whey. <laughs> Siko and I may have a, a, an interesting uh, discussion about this. On yeah. air, sure. I I see that most way is um, has been hydrolyzed, overly processed, and it's not so easy to find undenatured whey protein. I mean, you really have to do uh, some serious hunting. It's out there, yeah. but you have to really look for it. Well, the one that I would recommend is is actually a company that uses goat whey protein, um, which is undenatured, and it goes through a special drying process. So there's a company called Elite Fuel, and they work with directly with a farm. It's a fantastic permaculture farm wow. um, in, in Washington, in the Washington area called Mount Capra. And, and that goat protein with Elite Fuel is a undenatured whey it, just because of the drying process. So Good. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. So the, the, the drying process doesn't put too much heat. So you don't change the, sh- the shape of the protein, 
which Tigger and I, I think, would love a discussion on the importance of the shapes of proteins in yep. the body. But, but in any case, they are great. That is a great whey protein source is, is a goat protein, much more easily digestible than a, than a cow protein. So goat protein is more digestible. Yes. Yes, much, much more digestible. For much dogs, more too. Just I bet I didn't know. Yeah. So this is interesting. 80% of the planet uses goat protein versus cow protein. Really? Yeah. So you, you, you have goat farmers and you have some sheep farmers as well, but 80% of the planet's consumption of dairy is from goat compared to, compared to cow. Wow. That's kind of cool, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> is that a sick goat? <laughs> Jennifer, why would you say that? <laughs> that was Sounds a whining like that goat. goat. That's some, what that was. That was a whiny yeah. goat. Yeah. Nice. That's with an H. Yeah. Sounds like that goat needs a pre-workout. <laughs> yeah. That goat needs some hemp. <laughs> That's right. The the next topic I want to briefly cover because it I know it's a passion of mine and and I think it's also one of of Seco's is is the mineral debacle and especially focusing on the human end minerals are so essential to so many different functions in our bodies and when you take a multivitamin mineral or you take a multi mineral. I'm sure a lot of people don't realize what kind of minerals they're actually taking. They just read the macro and micro list, calcium, magnesium, potassium, phosphorus, blah, blah, blah. And they think that's good. Don't stop to consider what form those minerals are in and why that's important. Seco. <laughs> How, how long is this show, Tigger? <laughs> yeah. No, I, we, 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 is... need, we need the condensed Reader's Digest. Yeah. Version. Oh, this is going to be tough. All right. Yeah. No, no, no. So, you can do it. Just just think think that you are speaking with people who absolutely. don't know as much about minerals as you do. Which is All right, I'm going to start with... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start with some really, really simple ideas. All right. Minerals, by by their definition, are are elements. They they don't break down any more than than them. So calcium is calcium, right? Iron, iron, magnesium, magnesium. Those are those are the final form that those can. Those are the final elements that they can be. Now, in nature, they come in a variety of forms. Uh, they can be attached to salt compounds. So, for example, magnesium sulfate. So that means it's attached to a salt. Basically, and, and we know this in the animal world, and this is, this is uh, someplace that Tigger and I really connected on, yeah. because salt blocks have been used in the animal world for a really long time. And, and those are really electrolyte, usually electrolyte-focused minerals. But normally, living systems don't consume minerals in a rock form. If I were to ask you, and, and Patty, you jump in if you eat rocks. I, I don't want to, you know, miss anything. But well, honey, don't worry, most I will. people. <laughs> um, I've most established I eat chocolate humans, and wine. Go on. Chocolate, wine, and rocks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Woo. On the rocks. Right. Um, oh, yeah. There you go. 
So most minerals come in a rock salt form. So I'll give you a very good example since I'm sitting in a room right now. Calcium carbonate is the same calcium form, the carbonate form, that you'll find in drywall. The body doesn't process that very effectively. We don't process rocks. We were never intended to process rocks very effectively. And so the ideal scenario is when minerals are attached to the parts of the food that they would be found in when they're in food. Um, and normally minerals are attached to proteins in food. Um, so if you, if you take a, uh, a protein, like a, like a hemp protein, you'll have almost all of the minerals there. You have some in the carbohydrates, but the majority of the minerals are sitting inside of the protein part of the food. And those are much more bioavailable. There is a journal from the 1960s called the Journal of Calcified Soft Tissue. And, and to give you a, a, an idea of what we've done in our, in our culture of, of taking um, what was intended to be very good dietary supplements in the wrong form is we've caused our bodies to be full of rocks in all the wrong places. So kidneys are starting to get calcified. Our, our arteries, veins start to get hard. And we blame it on heart disease. Well, the heart isn't diseased. It's the wrong form of mineral. Now, I'm not saying there aren't heart disease issues, but it's the wrong form of mineral for the body to process, to put it in the place where it's actually needed, which is the bones or, or muscles, because calcium is, is uh, part of the, the, the muscle cycle. One of my biggest passions, because it affects so many people, is, is iron. So, uh, 1.6 billion people on planet Earth are anemic, and there's a lot of undiagnosed anemia. My, my brother, who is an elite athlete, he actually plays for the Dominican national rugby team because my family's Dominican, so he made the national rugby team. He was so low on iron that his workouts started to be impacted dramatically. And I started to talk to him. I asked him a few questions about what he was starting to notice, and I said, listen, I you should do a test, but I think you need a, an, another form of iron. The forms of iron that you might be getting in your, in your diet aren't providing you with what you need. And this is not a joke. In 30 days, he saw a total transformation of his endurance and his strength, like went up dramatically. Because if you're not absorbing iron, then you're, you're doing two things. Number one, you're actually feeding pathogenic organisms to your gut. The bad bacteria are getting fed that iron. That's why, that's why people that take irons, especially pregnant women, they get cramps. That's all the wrong bacteria using that iron as an energy, as, as, as turning it into energy to grow. And so they have cramps, constipation, digestive mm. issues. Mm -hmm. Number two, you can breathe as much as you want with your mouth and your nose. But if your oxygen doesn't attach to iron in your blood because you're getting the right form of iron to absorb and utilize, but then your muscles, your muscles, your brain, all of those things aren't breathing no matter how many breaths you take. So iron is critical and, and, and the wrong form of iron is prevalent. I have a dream of eliminating that from uh, the wrong form of iron from planet Earth. So can you, um, can you, for, for um, human consumption, 
can you say which the form of iron is that you want to avoid in supplements? Absolutely. There's there's uh, a couple. They fall under the name uh, of ferrous uh-huh. sulfate or ferrous fumarate. So if you look at those irons, you'll notice them on every major iron label. Now, there's other forms of iron that are, that are better, but they still do cause digestive problems. And, and those are single amino acid chelates, which are, are good. But um, do we have time to share, share a little study? This is, this, is my, this is one of my favorite subjects, honestly, on minerals. <laughs> I mean, yes, if do. you haven't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back, back in uh, a year ago, this past January, so 2018, we did a study and we were doing it on active adults and it was an open label study, but, but it was with a naturopath that was having issues with his patients that had uh, challenges with iron. One of them was a top CrossFit athlete, all right, a male, which is not normal. Males having iron issues is not normal. It's not, it's not the norm, but I think it's out there that they're deficient. Another one was a woman who was pregnant with twins and whose midwife said, you cannot increase blood ferritin levels in the third trimester. Another woman was a person who basically could barely function during her day because she had no detectable ferritin, which is a measure of your long-term iron storage. And then there was a few others that were just challenged with noticing they were, they were having trouble with their energy and they weren't sure why. And the, and the doctor diagnosed it to, to this iron problem. The amazing thing was the doctor used all the best forms of iron that he knew about. And he also used the bad forms just to see if those would work. And none of them were seeing the results. And when I say that, that they weren't seeing results, the woman that had no detectable iron for seven years, she saw no progress. So you couldn't wow. detect her iron levels for seven years. Her, 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 her blood ferritin levels. So she's having trouble functioning during her day, spending time with her kids. Get, getting to the gym isn't even a question for her, right? She can't, she can't get there. So in 30 days, the woman that was pregnant with twins, um, she had been taking another iron for 90 days, and her ferritin levels went from a 10 to a 9. She was <gasps> taking an amino acid. Bis-glycinate. Yeah. She was taking a bis- yeah, uh, uh, iron bisglycinate. And it went from a 10 to 9, and that was the best known form of iron that, that, that this doctor knew about. And she was on this other form of iron, and in 30 days, she went from a 9 to a 23. And she started wow. to be active as a, as a third trimester pregnant with twin mom, mother of three, mind you. The woman that had no detectable iron, less than one blood ferritin, I should clarify, she went from a less than one for seven years to a three. So she jumped 300%. Whoa. In 30 days, in 30 days, normally iron supplementation requires just to move a little bit. It requires nine months, 12 months. So no pregnant woman taking the wrong form of iron is going to, is going to be excited about taking it and waiting six to nine to 12 Mm -hmm. months to see a result. It's just too long. Another woman, you can actually go on, uh, I'll I'll share with you the name of the product. You can go on the Amazon page and you just see testimonial after testimonial. Yeah. That's what was my next Um, thing is. Yeah. Mine too is okay. What's the name of it and what's the form? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, 
I want to give something for your listeners too to be able to um, to actually take a quiz um, for for this iron. But you can go online and check it out uh, okay. on Amazon awesome. or from the site. So the form of the iron is a hydrolyzed whole protein mineral chelate. That's a whole lot of science language yeah. for it. You take a protein, you chop it up using enzymes, not heat and all these chemicals, but enzymes that are, that are made by bacteria. That's how we digest things, enzymes that are made by bacteria in our, in our gut, but also our own enzymes. You chop, the, you chop that protein up. And then you introduce iron to the protein, and that creates attachment to the iron. And they also do other minerals. And, and so this was developed over 20 years ago, um, but it has never been sold in the U.S., never, uh, until this study was completed. And now there are people taking it. So the name of the product is simply called The Iron from a company called Elite Fuel. And there's a really cool quiz. If your listeners want to um, check it out, they can go to bloodenergizer.com forward slash iron dash quiz. And, and I guess we'll have links in the show notes for that. But that's a great quiz. You know, you should have your ferritin levels tested. But this, this is the 14 questions that will give you an idea. Do I have an iron deficiency? And if you do, you want to make sure you're on the right form of iron. To be yeah, able that to was my biggest improve. thing I was going to ask is how many people should consider, you know, doing this just, but you should, you should get it checked first before you, you just. Should get, you should get it tested. The, the beautiful thing about the right form of iron is it's very hard to overdose because the body knows how to process things that are in the right form much more effectively. So you don't have the same challenges that you do with with the wrong form of iron, which will cause constipation, dysbiosis in the gut, and and not really improve your, your blood iron levels. The test for ferritin is like less than $25 at a, at a typical lab. So it's worth the investment, especially if you're noticing that, hey, I'm, I don't have a lot of energy. I'm not sure what it's coming from. Uh, whether you're an elite athlete or a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. Or an elite athlete who's a stay-at-home mom, like, it doesn't matter. I, I recommend, I think, for human beings, um, anemia, undiagnosed anemia, is a significant problem in our world. Probably uh, 25% of the population that they know of, and then obviously you have undiagnosed. Wow. Well, Seiko, Patty and I and Jennifer would love to have you back. I was going to say, we've made um, a decision. Yeah, You're we not, made a, you know, a collective decision <laughs> as you were is talking. It, was it the wine? No, no. I mean, you had me at wine, but then you talked about iron and just basically this, this needs to continue. So, um, Patty suggested part two, I suggested part three and four. So (laughs) we would love to have you back. Thank you so much. The iron, I will give a postscript. Iron deficiency is not a problem in equines. In fact, in some cases we're seeing very high levels of iron, especially in metabolic horses. And part of that is that there's just a lot of iron in, in pastures and, and feed. So it's a little different situation, equine and human, <laughs> just want to say, but yeah, Zico, cool. thank you. Thank you and so much. We'll, hopefully we'll have you back very, very soon. 
I was delighted to be on. Thank you for the invite, and I look forward to being on soon. This was a blast. Okay, well, good. thank you so much. It was Thanks, great Nico. information. Hello. Hetty. Hetty. Kathy. Yes. Jennifer. Hedwig. Hello, everyone. Oh, Hedwig, you sound so mellow today. Mellow. I can tell you're home from, having, you're home from Florida, aren't you? You're home. I'm having a little nap right now, and my human is trying not to wake me up. Oh. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Okay. Well, then we'll make it quick. If he moves, it's over. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm so, Hetty, we have a question for you. Quiet question. Uh-huh. Do you want to know what the question is? Sure. The, the question is, what do you think about hedgehogs as a pet? I love hedgehogs. <laughs> okay. They're All adorable. Right. They are Back adorable. When my servant was in university, which she claims to have attended, but there is no evidence, and she's pretty dumb, so I doubt she actually went. Her mm-hmm. housemate and her friend had one. It was called November. It was named after a poem. Long story. Moving on. Anyway, <laughs> November was a miniature hedgehog, and she was so cute. She had a little tiny wiggly nose and a little cream-colored long nose, and she was so cute as your little feet. She basically <laughs> looked like me, only smaller even, and she would curl up with them while they were, quote, studying, but we all know they weren't studying because they didn't go to school. Right. Anyway, sadly, <laughs> right. November died because hedgehogs don't live forever. But they, they don't. Love You're right. Her. They don't. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. She well, like a very adorable hedgehog, and she loved to be in a sock. <laughs> right, because they they like to they like to what are they called? Burrow. Um, hide. Burrow, Burrow and hide. hide. Mm-hmm. They call it a hide. Yeah. They had well, ski socks, cool. big ski socks, and they she would crawl into them. Mm-hmm. So cute. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I love hedgehogs. And now I so four paws up. Them. Four paws up on the he- on the hedgehog. Okay. So it's Hetty approved. That's Hetty approved. Great. And that's, that's what we're going to end up doing for the of the show. So I'm glad you approve. I you know what? There is, hedgehog- a, there is a kind of connection between hedwig and hedgehog. Just saying. Yeah, they're it, it because no. they both with H's. They, all, they both have high cuteness levels. They have super, like soup off the charts cuteness. We are adorable. But yeah, I, I mean, and, if you wanted to be honest, that that hedgehog was quieter than me. <laughs> yeah, they don't, yeah, Probably. okay, yeah. And even smaller. And she did not have a little harness. Like, I have a harness to walk on. Maybe she should have had a little harness. Oh, well, there is that. She really liked to be in front of the heater. That was her favorite thing right. in the ski sock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was how she liked to roll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, I think okay, that... Okay, well, thanks, Hetty. Hetty yeah. approves. No It's a Hetty approved pet. <laughs> Thank you, Hetty. to get a hedge and hog. We call them hedge and hogs in our family. Hedge oh, that's hogs. Well, I hope you get one for Christmas. Thank you. Bye-bye, Hetty. welcome. Bye, Hetty. So, we are now at Critter Corner, 
and we are going to do what we are now going to refer to as a Hedwig approved pet. (laughs) Tigger suggested Hetty approved. We're going to do hedgehogs, which are which was a great suggestion, Tigger, because I had never even thought of doing them, and they're pretty adorable. And so, for those that don't know, a hedgehog is just a cute little spiny little mammal, and there's actually, I guess, 17 different species. Yeah, I'm not going to name them, um, but they're a distant relative of the shrew, which I thought was interesting. Their name came from the love of hanging out in hedges and high grasses and they're, you know, they're very recognizable because of their spiny hair. Sort of looks like a porcupine, but it's not. The hair is made of um, sort of a stiff keratin. And their spine, they're, when they roll into a little ball to protect themselves, their 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 spines are, are not poisonous or barbed. They're not like a porcupine. They don't detach as easily. However, you know, an immature hedgehog will lose their spines and then develop, you know, more adult ones, but they very cutely will roll into a ball when they're startled or scared by, you know, protecting their faces. Cause that's the one part that doesn't have any spines and that it causes the spines to point outward to protect themselves. And the hedgehog has two large muscles that sort of control that. So if, if anybody wanted to look up what a hedgehog does, there's many adorable videos <laughs> of <a> hedgehog <laughs> going into a role. So, but there's muscle, there's very large muscles that kind of, you know, encourage them to do that, which is kind of cool. There are nocturnal. So um, some can be active during the day, but for the most part, they're a nocturnal animal, which would mean if you consider it as a pet, you know, about the time when you're sitting down to have dinner, relax. they're going to be like, yo mama. Yeah. So that's something to think about, but that's honestly, that's like, you know, a lot of, they're a lot like a ferret in that regard, right? Like a ferret and even uh, gerbils or hamsters or stuff like that. But so that, you know, it's interesting. So there's, you know, there are wild hedgehogs, but, and they, they will dig like a den in, in a ground and wild hedgehogs actually hibernate. So when you're thinking about those type of things for, you know, a pet, you need to consider the, the heat source because they, because they, they want to hibernate. Obviously they're trying to hibernate because it gets too cold. So you have to make sure when you take them into your family that they are nocturnal. We've already talked about that. When they wake up at night, they're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> Keep that in a consideration. They need an external heat source. And if you buy one from a breeder, they're going to tell you exactly what temperatures and how you do all of this. You know, and most of the pet stores will, if you buy one from a pet store, that, you know, all of the reading that I did recommended that you try to get one from a breeder and a little bit younger because they're not, you know, they're not really supposed to be you know, hanging with people. So if you want to, with, through a lot of patients, you know, they can be handled when they're young and made, a, you know, a really good pet. So when you would bring them home, you would want to have a, a smooth cage, more like probably like an aquarium, the rabbit cages and kind of rat cages that you can get, you know, their feet are tiny and they'll probably fall through that. So they suggested, you know, like an aquarium with good ventilation. And again, like I said, you know, a good heat box, but you also want to provide what's called a hide box because they will hibernate. They need something will hibernate, but also because of the type of animal it is, they want to burrow. And like Hetty had shared with us, you can, um, they like to go in socks. (laughs) So, you know, you have to provide the things that, you know, that obviously will make them happy. 
But if you get one that's younger with, you know, time and patience, they will warm up to people because they're very solitary by nature. You, you just need to take your time, with, you know, with doing that. In, the, in nature, they are, um, because they have snoots or snouts, they are attracted to things that crawl. So like insects, snails and frogs and bird eggs, which don't crawl. But so when you are thinking about how you're going to feed them in your home, you can get mealworms and crickets and stuff like that. But they also strongly suggest that you get a good ferret food. I guess it's a thing that a lot of people and breeders will actually feed kitten food and they don't recommend that because the vitamin and mineral balance is not the same. I mean, because obviously cats, kittens, and, and hedgehogs are going to be completely different. They, let's see, they, um, they have about a five-year lifespan. They're about anywhere from five to eight inches long and pretty adorable. Just want to say that. Once you get one home, if you get a, a younger one, you want to give them a couple days to adapt before trying to handle them because they do startle easy and they will just stay in their rolled up stage if they're not comfortable. So if you take your time and you're patient, they really do come around and can be you know, quite adorable little pets as long as you don't mind them being on their wheelhouse, you know, from six o'clock until probably five in the morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as health stuff, they strongly suggest, you know, once you get one, bring it to a vet, have it checked over, you know, mites like any type of critter like that is going to be a big deal. And they actually do have some cancer and some cardiac health issues, which can be monitored or, you know, you know, taken care of by a vet. Um, but they are, you know, really quite a, a wonderful addition to a family. They're a great apartment pet. I don't know that I would suggest it from my reading for small kids. I think it's better for an adult because they are a little bit of a bashful critter. But by golly, they are super cute. Cute plus. Cuteness plus. And that's what Hattie said. Hattie gave it and four paws up. So if anybody, if any of our listeners have any hedgehogs and any other suggestions or any other information that you can add, please find us where, Tigger? Where do you find us? HealthyCrittersRadio.com or on Facebook, Healthy Critters Radio. Indeed. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and today we're going to talk about Ayurvedic constitution types. Which one is your dog? Ayurvedic medicine is based on three humors or metabolic forces that make up the mind and body. Together, all three are called the tridosha. The three doshas are vata, catabolism, pita, metabolism, and kapha, anabolism. Breed types can tend towards a predominance of a particular dosha. For instance, greyhounds and whippets and some terrier breeds tend to be vata, while Bernese mountain dogs and St. Bernard's tend to be kapha. German shepherds and Australian shepherds tend to be pita. Vata dogs are governed by movement of mind and body. The element is air. The breed examples greyhound, dalmatian, poodle, whippet, and some terriers. Vata dogs are high energy and alert. They need daily activity, stimulation, fun, and play. These are sprinting dogs but can tire easily despite their tons of energy. 
They are picky eaters with more modest appetites. Their nails are dry and brittle. Their skin is cool, dry, and prone to cracking. They are uncomfortable in cold climates, and their paws tend to be cold. Feces is dry and hard and small in quantity. They are fast learners, but tend to forget quickly what they've learned. They tend towards anxiety and sensitivity when stressed or out of balance. Pita dogs, governed by the interplay of water and fire, representing transformation. Breed examples, German Shepherd, Australian Shepherd, Doberman, Rottweiler, Malinois. Pita dogs are smart, great protectors, and very athletic. They're easily trained and thrive as agility dogs, service dogs, and movie dogs. Their fur is soft, paws are warm, and often bothered by hot weather. They pee a lot. They have strong metabolisms and strong appetites. They can be irritable if they have to wait for their food. They have focused and concentrated minds. They can be aggressive and demanding when out of balance or stressed. They make good pack leaders. Kaffa dogs, governed by water and earth, representing structure and lubrication. Breed examples, St. Bernard, Basset Hound, Bernie's Mountain Dog, and some Labrador Retrievers. Kaffa dogs are physically strong with a sturdy build. They tend to be easygoing but stubborn. Their energy is steady, not explosive. They are not adverse to cold and wet weather. They tend towards being overweight and digestion may be sluggish. Stools are pale and there is a tendency towards constipation. They are slower to learn but have good long-term memory. They are affectionate, forgiving, compassionate, reliable, and faithful. They are considered the peacemakers. They contend towards separation anxiety and excess weight if stressed or out of balance. Just as it is with people, dogs' constitutions can change as they mature or age. A person can be born with a PETA constitution, and by the time they are seniors, they tend more towards Vata or Kapha. Protein Sources Vada dogs do well eating chicken, buffalo, seafood, and duck. Pita dogs do well on buffalo, rabbit, venison, freshwater fish, and turkey. Kaffa dogs benefit from white meat, chicken, venison, and rabbit. Dogs with Vada constitutions may need increased fat sources in their diet in their older years. Watch for constipated stools and add more warming food in sweet potato, squash, rice, and cooked oats or quinoa. Vada dogs do well with ghee, goat's milk, kefir, and cottage cheese. Buckaroo's warming stew from Biostar is great for your Vata dog as a whole food blend of dehydrated and freeze-dried food formulated on the Ayurvedic principles of warming and balancing foods to be added on top of your dog's meals. Dogs with pita constitutions benefit from a variety of foods, broccoli, cabbage, cooked carrots, cucumber, zucchini, celery, kale, basmati rice, mung dal, and some fruits such as apples, berries, melons, and coconut. Include small amounts of ghee and goat's milk once or twice a week. Buckaroo's cooling stew from Biostar is great for your pita dog. This blend supplies Ayurvedic balancing and cooling ingredients that provide variety to your dog's diet, support the various populations of the gut microbiota, and satisfy the innate canine curiosity of new tastes and smells. Dogs with kaffa constitutions do well with broccoli, carrots, cabbage, cauliflower, and celery. You can add small amounts of apples, berries, and pears to their food bowl. They can have polenta, quinoa, and cooked oats. They can have lentils such as split peas. They do well with chia and flax seeds and a small amount of ghee. Avoid cow's milk. Kaffa dogs can have goat's milk and goat's 
cheese, unsalted, not aged. Kaffa dogs benefit from ginger, turmeric, and black pepper to increase the digestive fire. Juvenate K9 from Biostar is great for your Kaffa dog. It's a unique supplement that contains the state-of-the-art Ayurvedic blend Chromanex 3 for the support of healthy joint circulatory support and weight management. Feeding for the weather. Vata dogs benefit from their meals being warm and moist in winter. Remember, Vata is associated with air and needs moisture and warming to reduce dryness. As dogs age, they may become Vata and so need warm water added to their food. Some Vata dogs, as they age, may do better on home-cooked meals than raw. Vata dogs need cooling foods in the summer. Remember, they are governed by fire. They can have watermelon or you can freeze coconut oil with some chopped berries or melons and ice cube trays for a cooling treat. Avoid sour apples, bananas, and peaches. If you make a home-cooked meal for a pita dog, make sure it is cooled entirely before feeding. Don't add more fire to the fire. Kaffa dogs should avoid watery fruits and vegetables like dates, watermelon, cucumber, squash, and zucchini. Particularly in summer, avoid heavy carbohydrates such as cooked oats and wheat. Peanut butter. Peanut butter is a popular treat for dogs, but peanut butter is only recommended for one type, vata. Peanuts are a warming food, so they're not a good choice for pita, and they're too heavy and oily for kaffa. In my pack, we love peanut butter. If you have a vada dog, think warming. If you have a pita dog, think cooling. If you have a kaffa dog, think of foods that are light, warm, and dry. And you can apply an Ayurvedic principles to any dog you have. <laughs> Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real food ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So now we're at Coffee Clatch, and we haven't talked a lot about cats in a while, so I thought we'd talk about, you know, cats, do we love them or loathe them? Because it seems there are basically two kinds of people in the world, love cats, loathe cats. Mm. I'm a love cats person. How about you, Patty? I love to loathe my little perfect kitties. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a love-hate for several different reasons. Yeah. Jennifer? I'm a love kitties. Love kitties. Oh, God. Little fluff the netters. Yeah. But you don't have any kitties. Well, we, 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 um, we are renters. We are not owners. So we don't get to decide necessarily what creatures we have in our home. We had a kitty when we moved here. <laughs> and we, that kitty passed away uh, about two years ago. And Aww. we do not... We, 
we because we got to keep the kitty when we moved here, not because there were kitties allowed, but because we already had it. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm, I had it. Can't you replace it? No, it doesn't work that way. And also, it's a relatively small home with a relatively large dog already in it, along with two people. <laughs> and I will say it was a little bit crowded. Ah. I'm I'm a great believer that kitties need space. Not necessarily space as in living in the outdoors or anything else, but they need space to be a cat. Does that make sense? They need a territory. Mm-hmm. I have two cats. Yes, it does make sense. Right? Um, and because our house is relatively small and we cannot have kitties in the bedroom, so that makes it even smaller, I didn't feel that it was fair to have a kitty in that small a space because he... Between the humans and the dog and the small space and the cat, there was not room for that kitty to have a proper territory and be a happy kitty. A kitty uh, kingdom. It didn't have its kitty kingdom. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. But I, I will love yeah. kitties. I love kitties. Oh, yeah. What's, kitty well, hairball retching, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you, yeah. if you could have a cat, is there a specific kind of cat you would choose? I love kitties. You know, I have a special spot in my heart for the great American mongrel kitty, the barn cat. (laughs) We've never owned a fancy cat of any kind. There's always been barn cat or shelter rejects. I don't care much for the smushed face just because I don't like the look of it. (laughs) Mm. I like my cat to have a pointy nose. Thank you very much. Yeah. But other than that, no, I I love long haired kitties. I'm not real big on the the hairless one. That's a little weird. Yeah. That's yeah. a little weird for me. Yeah, because they should be soft and fuzzy and, and have hairballs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you have two ragdoll cats, hairballs are a definite plus and it will make you super happy. Yeah. And you I prob- can yeah. hairballs. Yeah. Yeah. They're hair yeah. they are one giant hairball in every and it's so interesting because since moving from Houston, now granted my house was bigger. I went down about a thousand square feet, although my yard went out um, two hundred <laughs> acres, hundred billion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I and these were these are indoor cats, which I've actually started to let them go outside under supervision, which is sort of funny because they're walking, going, "Ooh, this feels weird." It's like you know, you know, a kid that like goes outside the first thing in the summer. And they haven't, you know, they haven't had their shoes off outside. And they're like, oh, ah, that's my cats, which I, you know, I'm doing every day. But it's so interesting the amount of shedding they're doing because there's more, I, I guess, because there's more seasons here, which is funny. But that's my, you know, here's the thing that I love about my, the two cats that I have, they're, they're, they're beautiful. They're stunning. They're beautiful. They actually come when they're called. I mean, truly, like, I'll be like, Fupa, where are you? Sure and she'll like, cat. Um, my Maine Coon, my Maine Coon cat came when you called. So yeah, I think I mean, there are breeds that. Well, and are, and ragdolls are not sort dog-like, of dog-like, but they're more um, engaging. Yeah, engaging. Yeah, and I got them when I still lived in Virginia five years ago. Because I wanted an animal that I, if I needed to leave home alone for a day or two, I didn't have to have someone come in and take care of it because, you know, obviously dogs are, you know, more demanding that way. And, but that didn't stop me from getting dogs. So let's not even go there. But thank you, Ticker. And yeah, no, it, well, and, and I, you know, who's your dear friend? My, her name is Tigger. She's a dog pusher. 
as I'm scratching this cute little puppy's butt. So, but you know, the thing that's hard for me is that they're so incredibly beautiful and I, and I, and they are very relational, which is a bit of a pain because the one that I have, her name is, her real name is Myla. Hannah has renamed her Fupa, which means fat above the pelvic area. (laughs) She's a bit of pudge and she's the queen and she is the most beautiful thing that I have ever laid my eyes on. She has intensely blue eyes and she's a seal point and she's just, and you, and you say Fupa and she goes, meow. I mean, like she'll talk to you. If I called her loud enough, she would come right now. She's just like that, you know, but then she does something that Hannah has deemed fupilating. And what fupilating is, is that in the middle of the night, she'll come and lay on your chest and lick your hair. And I've got to tell you, when you want to get a full night's sleep, someone laying on your chest licking your hair is not what I want. So that's where I loathe that part of the cat ownership. And these two cats, want they want to sleep like right next to me. So on top of the dogs with all the cats, they're like laying next to me. I, like I am boxed in like a little coffin at night. But what I love about them is they are, they can just be, they can just be next to you with no, I don't have to pet them. I don't have to, like, they they can, like, you know, just sit next to you, and that's satisfying as far as relationship, like, just hanging out with you. And what I find is kind of cool is my two are so smart, and I don't know, Tigger, I've never had an indoor cat, ever, ever, ever. I always had barn cats. But these guys will, like, my one cat, Gabriel, who is this beautiful gray with these intense green eyes will come and get me and and be like hey there's no water can you help me out and he will he will walk back and forth till i go get him water and then he will not leave me alone like he'll come over and he'll like hey ma let's go over here hey ma let's go over here and it's so funny that you that we've chosen this topic because i just read this article about a cat that helped save i don't know if you guys saw this um, was I think it was trolling around on Facebook about this cat that um, saved this infant because the infant was choking and the mom couldn't hear it on the radio, like on the baby monitor. And the cat kept going in to try to get the mom. And she was like, come on, you know, leave me alone. The cat's name was Midnight. And eventually got to the uh, intercom thing that you had the baby monitor and just started screaming like something was wrong. And eventually they went in, the baby was blue and the cat save the kid's life. So it's so there's so many things about cats that are fascinating and incredibly wonderful. So yeah, I, I, I love cats. I lost my last cat died two years ago, 17 years old, the cat, the size of a small country weighed 24 (laughs) pounds. Rescue. Yeah, Yeah. He was a big, big dude. What I really miss is the attitude. You know, the dogs Mm. are like, Okay, what do we do today? And what's on the schedule? And let's go here. Let's do. And the cat will be, you know, sitting in a chair, cleaning his face. Yeah, whatever. And I, I love that juxtaposition of, I really don't care. And oh, I want to do whatever you want to do. So for me, it was kind of a balance. And I miss, I miss having a cat just for that. You know, they're unique, sort of aloof, but could be very friendly personalities. I always used to say that cats were were aliens from another planet. <laughs> Cuz they're just they're just so unique. Yeah. And, and yeah, um, I think you nailed it in that. that with a kitty cat, they it's all about the aloof and it's all everything in the universe is on their own terms. They own their universe. It's I decide yes. when you pet me, I decide when I want to eat, 
I decide what I want to eat. I decide whether or not I'm going to lick my paw. I'm going to decide whether or not you can touch me today. Everything is on their own terms. And it's just so cool because when they do, when they want to hang out with you, you know, it's because they want to hang out with you. (laughs) It's not a case of, gee, I changed my cat to hang out with me. Or they want something. Like, it's time to eat. It's time. Uh, Get up. It's time to feed the kitty. Yeah, uh, the kitty I I had most recently, we called him the beast. When he was uh, when he was younger, he would retrieve. When we first moved here to Florida, I would do the morning show with Glenn and the cat would pester me. Like, okay, let's let's have some fun time. Like, no, really, I'm busy. I'm doing the morning show. So I would take his toy, and his toy was a dressage whip with a short piece of yarn and a little ball on the end of it. And I would z- literally zing it across the house. And at the time, we were in a very large house. I would zing it across the house. It was probably 30 or 40 feet. He would race to the other end of the house, grab it, and drag it back to me. <laughs> I'd zing it across the yeah. house again. And he would drag it back yeah i miss that <laughs> oh i bet well if if any of our listeners have cats and want to share some of your great cat stories you know leave a message for us on our facebook page healthy critters radio or on our our website healthy critters radio.com Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 